You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, November 4th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's that first Heineken going down, my friend? It's really, really good. I couldn't hold off to crack it so we could have it on the pod, but you know, it's delicious. So thanks for asking. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm glad you're enjoying that. We are also joined by our fellow contributor, Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the 216? 216, all good, boys. Just uh long day at the office uh, uh ready yeah. to talk some buckeye football all right man well we're happy to have you a lo- long day for me actually my work day is still ongoing but i'm squeezing this pot in here while while it happens <laughs> uh, so of course right we are on. here <laughs> we are here today to preview number five ohio state's matchup with nebraska in lincoln this coming saturday but before we dive into that gents we didn't really have a time or an opportunity as a group to talk about Ohio State's 33-24 win over Penn State last Saturday. Now, our listeners already know where I stand on that result from Tuesday's pod. Paige, I want to start with you. Was Penn State a good win for the Buckeyes in your estimation? I think so. I I mean, I think you'll look back on it, and I I said it over text. It might not be as dramatic, but depending on how their season plays out, like that Illinois game reminded me of our Iowa game or Purdue game. That is just a complete head scratcher. Like you just can't (laughs) figure out what the hell happened there. And um, especially coming off a bye, but maybe Clifford was still hurt. I think the other sort of question was, you know, um, do they pass the eye test? I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, that defense is legit. Those that, that secondary, those guys are very good. Their linebackers are very good. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on with their D line versus our offensive line, if that was coaching or scheme or whatever the case may be, but they just lined up and, you know, kind of punched us in the mouth. And that wasn't a fluke. It yeah. just wasn't yeah. why they, how they lost that game to Illinois. I'll never understand it. <laughs> um, but to legit, yeah, to, to answer your question, I do think it, it was a great win. And then what's frustrating is that should have been a top 10 win for us. And it wasn't because yeah. they laid that egg against Illinois. Yep. Um, and I also think it's, you know, I was thinking about was that just like the greatest troll ever by Franklin totally. by you know, referring <laughs> us to Illinois and the horseshoe and hey, oh, totally, he's totally distracted. Right. Yeah. And you know, did that manipulate the line three or four point or something? Might have. Like that, you yeah. know, I mean, so I, you know, I, I predicted it to be close. I you did, you know, like you said on the pod, I didn't think it would be that close. Right. Um, but then again, I'm not that surprised. Yeah. What surprises me is that they lost that game to Illinois. Um, I think, you know, that's a good team with when Clifford's healthy, they're dangerous and mm-hmm. they could be just about anybody in the country. Yeah. Chad, what do you think? Was that a good win for the Buckeyes in your estimation? I mean, the way I look at it, any good, you know, any win is a good win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I honestly thought, you know, obviously history tells us that they play as tough. You know, it's always a game. Um, but I honestly thought, you know, that we were going to blow them out. Yeah. So, 
But you got to give Clifford some cred, man. He he played a good game. He was. And their he defense, was good. like Paige said, he stepped up. Yeah, he he balled out. Um, you know, I think there was some things that you know our offensive line didn't look good at all. They I didn't, mean, and they they spoke about that in his press conference. Um, but you know, I mean, I think the D came up with some some you know pretty good plays at mm-hmm. times, and you know, uh. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I I picked a a blowout. Right. <laughs> that didn't happen, and I was like, you know, I, I don't like going into that fourth quarter, man. Like, come on, yeah. man. Let's, 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 I don't need this shit. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. I, I mean, I thought, you know, the offense had some, uh, you know, some they 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 executed well, and uh, there was a couple times they uh, didn't look like uh, what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So I've got to give some props to Trey Trey. Uh, you know, he was patient, yeah. man. He was, yeah, he was getting stuck and then, uh, you know, he ended up getting what, 158 yards. So, I mean, that's right. 152 so, on 28 carries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's a, it's a game that I think that we needed um, that, you know, coming down to the, the wire. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's going to play a little bit uh, in how we uh, look at things moving forward. I, uh, I agree with you on Henderson in particular. I, I said on Tuesday's pod that I thought this was really his first introduction to Big Ten football. Late October, a meaningful game, a lot at stake for Ohio State. And look, the going was not easy for him early on. Penn State was frustrating him. It would have been easy for a young player to get frustrated and pack it in. And I give him credit for his maturity. He didn't do that. He stuck with it. And as you pointed out, CP, 152 yards on 28 really tough carries and, uh, you know, he had the big run, the big 68-yard run that set up, uh, gave, was able to give Ohio State a little cushion, right? They were eventually able to push it in. Yeah, there were some concerns in the red zone, right? Only converting uh, one touchdown in six visits to the Penn State red zone. Now, I read during the week that uh, Penn State was doing some things schematically with their defensive front. They were changing up their looks before the snap. I think somebody, one of the X and O's gurus that I, I read, I listen to. I think it was Bill Landis. That was Landis is, yeah, Landis was really good. He's very good at breaking things down. Ross Fulton is another guy from Buckeye Scoop. But uh, the before and after picture that the Ohio State offensive line was getting from the, the Penn State defensive front was con- was confusing them in their blocking assignments. You know, they, they, they go with that zone blocking scheme. And Penn State was able to do things pre-snap to kind of screw that up. And then, you know, they were bringing their linebackers in from different angles and stuff. So they did a really good job of kind of junking it up up front because Ohio State definitely had the advantage there. I don't think that's one of Penn State's better defensive lines. And, but uh, as you pointed out, Paige, that back seven, I don't know, man, they looked the part, right? I mean, those dudes look like NFL players, uh, you yeah. know, linebacker He's, all the way to the secondary. Yeah, three or four of them for sure. Yeah. There's, yeah. I mean, Joey Porter Jr., right? I mean, we know that guy can play. So I actually totally. have a question for you. Yeah. This is a this is a classic Juanism. But um, we were we were talking on Sunday after the game. I was like, so is this? So this is a question for you guys. Is this a reset expectations game for you guys? Meaning, I think we all thought Ohio State was clearly the number two team in the country going into this game. Right? Do we still feel that way coming out of this game? Yeah. Uh- I had to ruminate on this for a while. I had to think about really kind of sit with this result for a while to arrive at, at you know, where I did, which is I, I think this was a good quality win for Ohio State. 
I think if you look at uh, Penn State's resume, and, and we didn't know this until the playoff rankings were released on Tuesday night, but Penn State has wins over the committees number 13 in Auburn and number 21 in Wisconsin. With that, that game was on the road. So you consider what they're capable of when they're whole, when they're healthy, and then the impact of the Clifford injury. And Paige, you've already said it. This should have been a top ten win for Ohio State. So I'm going to say I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think I think uh, there's some things that could have gone better. I still think this team is ascending. I still think there's room for an improvement, and I'm in, I'm expecting improvement. And I think the schedule, the remaining schedule, these remaining four games is going to provide them tests. Uh, you know, really good tests that are going to allow them to really grow. So no, I, my I have not reset my expectations uh, based on this result. I, I still see Ohio State as one of the top two or three teams in the country. I expect them to make the, the playoff and compete for a national championship. Chad, how about you? I agree with you, Z. Um, it's, uh, it, it blows my mind that I mean, I know we're going to get into that here in a little bit, but I, you know, I think I, I mentioned something on that like Penn State, I feel could beat every one of those teams without problem in the bottom half of that, you know, first, uh, you know, playoff rankings, the, the top twenty. Right. Um, but uh, I was so, surprised they know, didn't I, make I, the rankings. By the way, I I, I thought. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to put Wisconsin that, I mean, in, how how is Penn State on there? In Iowa too. I mean, Penn State should have killed. Yeah, they would have killed that, Iowa. How does that work? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm I, I was surprised they weren't. I mean, because I I think they're better than Wisconsin. Iowa and Minnesota, who are all ranked uh, by the College Football Playoff Committee. Paige, so what's, how did you answer that question from Juan? Um, I, I'm not, I'm not quite as bullish as you are. I'm sort of like, okay, I, I need to see another game, and I think this yeah. weekend will be an interesting game. Yes, um, against Nebraska. So I'm kind of hedging on that. Right. I do think part of me, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I thought we all were, you know we were all super, super excited going into this and the blowout. And yeah, we are definitely a force and we're going to make the playoff and we're, you know, should be the two seed. I don't think I can say that now. That's how I felt before that game. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a complete reset expectation, but I do think uh, it gives me some pause and I'd like to see how they respond this week um before you know the last three games of the season to say no i still think this is one of the best teams in the country and yeah you know i'll take uh i'll take my chances against anybody i disagree i, I think this game is the uh something that we needed to happen um you know obviously the loss to oregon but you know like penn state it, 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 you, you go back over the like what Zach, the last eight years and look mm -hmm. at like the matchups i mean maybe once or twice there's been like a blowout or not like a really a blowout, but like a, you know, a significant gap in the uh, final score. Right. But I do think we're a top four team. Um, you know, I actually took the time. I'll be honest with you. I really hadn't watched most of the other teams. I've watched that Georgia Florida game. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen Alabama play um, Oregon. God, I would love to play those guys. again. <laughs> smack the shit out of those guys. And Aflac. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I honestly think we are, I mean, that offense is like, you know, it's, I still believe it's one of the best in the country. And I think the defense is just getting better and better, um, each week. Okay. So, you know, Chad, you and I still pretty bullish on the Buckeyes page. You need to see a little bit more. That's totally fair. Why don't we move ahead and have a look at Ohio state at Nebraska? 
The game is a noon Eastern kick on Fox. The line, as you've already referenced, Chad, is Ohio State minus 15. Now, at first glance, that's a pretty... That's a pretty low number. I think we'd all we'd all agree. The over under yeah. is sixty six. Nebraska comes into this game losers of five of their last six, which includes now listen to this, and I think this is why the line is only fifteen. A seven point road loss to number eight Oklahoma, a three point road loss to Michigan State, a three point home loss to number seven Michigan, a seven point road loss to number twenty Minnesota. And just last Saturday, the Huskers fell to a pretty solid Purdue team at home, 28-23. So while Nebraska sits at three and six, overall those results would seem to suggest that Ohio State is is in for a fight on Saturday in Lincoln. They've they've been very competitive with some quality opponents. I mean, number eight, Oklahoma, number three, Michigan State, number seven, Michigan, and number 20, Minnesota. These are all teams that are, those are their current rankings in the college football playoff uh, standings right now. And Nebraska played all those teams very, very tough within one score, had a chance to win all four of those games. I want to throw a couple numbers at you here, guys, and then I want to go around the horn and get your Concernometer scores for this game. We're going to fire up the Concernometer for the first time this uh, this season. Nebraska comes into this game yeah. 17th nationally in total offense, averaging four, 469 yards per game. 17th nationally. It's pretty pretty potent offense, in, in, at least in terms of yards. Uh, the Huskers are 21st in offensive yards per play, averaging uh, 6.68 uh, yards per play. Uh, but they're only 58th in scoring offense. And they've not been good in the red zone. They're all the way down at 98th in red zone offense. So this is an offense, it would seem, that can rack up big yardage, you know, between the 30s, but they've been ha- they've had trouble punching it in when they get to the red zone. Of course, their offense, as we all know, revolves around the fourth-year starting quarterback, Adrian Martinez. Man, it seems like he's been there forever. And it, it, the other thing, too, is you remember Taylor Martinez, their other quarterback that played, you know, for, uh, you know, back in the, the late uh, 2000, 2010s. And so it seems like they've had a guy named Martinez, like, you know, running the plays for him, like for, you know, 20 years. But in Adrian Martinez's case, it's been only four years. He's a four year starter and he's probably having his best season. He's third in the conference in passing at 252 yards a game. He's completing 62.5% of his passes. He's thrown 12 touchdown passes. He's also Nebraska's leading rusher. Uh, He's got 451 yards rushing on the season and 11 rushing touchdowns. So he's the sun, moon, and the stars of that Nebraska offense. Now, ironically, Martinez is also probably the biggest reason the Huskers are three and six instead of six and three, because his untimely turnovers have absolutely killed the Huskers, which rank 94th nationally in turnover margin. So for for example, his interception in the first period of overtime against Michigan State allowed Sparty to kick the game-winning field goal in that one. His fumble deep in Nebraska territory late in the fourth quarter in a tie game against Michigan allowed the Wolverines to win that game kicking the game-winning field goal late in that one. And then last week in the loss to Purdue, Martinez threw four back-breaking interceptions. The other thing is Nebraska has not been really good at protecting him. Uh, they're 97th nationally in sacks allowed. Martinez has been sacked 22 times this season. By comparison, C.J. Stroud's only been sacked five times. So there are issues there turning the ball over and protecting Martinez that I think, you know, that's something to pay attention to for Ohio State going into this game. One last player on offense I want to mention, Samore Toure is seventh in the Big Ten in receiving, a pretty good wide receiver for them. He's right behind Chris Olave, uh, seventh in the Big Ten, 29 receptions for 568 yards. He's averaging almost 20 yards per reception. So that's a name to remember. Samore Toure is his name. 
Real quick on the defense. Nebraska, not bad. Samori Tori. <laughs> <laughs> not bad on defense. I mean, especially relative to some of these other Nebraska defenses we've seen under Scott Frost. 44th nationally in total defense. 50th against the run, uh, averaging 137 yards per game. 46th against the pass at 211 yards per game. They're 22nd in defensive yards per play, uh, allowing just under five yards per play. Now, the PFF grades for Nebraska's pass rush, 57th nationally, so above average. Now, they're only 82nd nationally in sacks, so they aren't getting home to the quarterback uh, all that often, but they are getting decent pressure, according to PFF. They're 44th nationally in tackles for loss. They're 34th nationally in interceptions with eight on the season. So on the whole, this, you know, this is a better than average defense, statistically speaking. And again, much better than, than, you know, Cornhusker defenses of the past uh, under Frost. So Paige, I know you said earlier this week, you had an uneasy feeling about this game. So why don't you tell us how you see this one and give us your concernometer score? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I was a, I was probably a seven, and now that I heard those numbers, I might be a ten. Um, <laughs> it just worries, and you know what else worries me about this? Yeah, go ahead. Scott Frost really needs this game. Yeah, he does. Like, he really, really needs it. And like this, if he gets this game, then he's fine, right? Right. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of chatter about oh, Trev Alberts. God, thank God we don't have to look, listen to him on TV anymore. But <laughs> um, you know, what's what are they going to do? And I don't know. I just have I have a bad feeling in my gut about this. Um, oh boy. So okay. The Scott the Scott Frost angle. Um, you know, I think we're going to talk about the next, uh, well, this could be a hangover game for us is before we, you know, we, we, and it also could be a look ahead game for us, by the way, um, with the next three games coming up and Mm. then the the noon start, um, 11 AM local time, by the way. Yeah. A sleepy 11 AM kick. (laughs) None of that uh, speaks well to me. Now, on the flip side, we absolutely own Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But the other the other thing, you know, like the turnovers, right? Like if, if that narrative plays out, and that's been a huge narrative in the games that we've played against them, right? right? They just have these just awful turnovers that are backbreakers. Right. If, if that narrative doesn't play out, I think this is actually a close game. And I think it's going to roll into the fourth quarter and we're going to be freaking out again. And so. <laughs> so what's your I'm, final concernometer score on this one? What's the readout? I'm, I'm an eight. I'm going with. Wow. Eight. eight. Okay. Okay. Oh, those are, I mean, you know, hey, a lot of what you said there is real. Those and, are things so to pay I, attention to. The the other thing I was just looking, they end with us, then at 21 Wisconsin, at 22 Iowa. That has got to be about the hardest schedule in the country, I would imagine. Yeah. That, I, I mean, mean, adding Oklahoma in the non-conference is pretty brutal. Brutal. <laughs> and the crossover games they have with the Big Ten East. Yeah, uh, you know, getting Ohio exactly. State is yeah, it's been Michigan, brutal Michigan for them. State. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Chad, how about you? Give us give us your 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 view on this game Tell and concern on score. Tell me I'm wrong, Daddy. <laughs> well, hey, well, I'm about to man because I'm not going to fall into that bullshit with Scott Frost. You know what? I I mean, I like the guy. He's uh, it just seems like he's just getting beaten down, man. Some of those games they should have won and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, he's got to be bummed. He goes back to his alma mater and he's just getting kicked in the teeth, you know, every week. And I'm not going to let this turn into one of those Purdue games where the kid, you know, and, 
and God bless his soul, but the kid had had cancer and then we lost the game. I'm not going to be even doing any of that bullshit. You know what I mean? He's like, but here's what I think. I think that, you know, obviously Vegas knows something. I mean, that's just crazy. 15 points, but it isn't, you know, it's in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's going to be a hangover. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to let him go there. Um, you know, everything I was, uh, reading and listening to like the offensive line they uh have come together as a unit this week they know they really dropped the ball last week Mm -hmm. um i don't see it being my concernometer is about a three and a half three and a Um, half for you okay there's no there's no way i mean i'm not going to say no way but we're not losing this game um but uh i will say this you know whether we cover the line or not but I mean, I actually think we will. I, I think we we win this game, you know, by twenty plus points. Okay. All right. So you're a three and a half. We'll get we'll get to your score prediction here in a second. Three and a half for you. So okay. not not all that concerned. Uh, I've got no. it at a four and a half. I'm a little nervous about. Our, yeah, I, I'm a little nervous about our linebackers against a pretty good Nebraska rushing attack, which ranks 28th nationally. Funny enough, that's just ahead of Ohio State. They average without two- Steel Chambers. Well, right, exactly. So that's where I was going with this. You've got you've got a very very athletic, slippery running quarterback in Martinez, who's who who actually can can pop off a big play. This is a guy you know. You give him a crease, he can he can go fifty sixty yards on you. And Paige, you've just pointed it out. Steel Chambers is going to be serving a targeting suspension for the first half. And what does that leave? Taraja Mitchell stinks. I was looking at the PFF grades of the 55 Buckeyes that have logged snaps on defense this season. Mitchell's 52nd. Cody Simon, he hasn't been much better, 44th. Funny enough, Tommy Eichenberg, of all people, he's 23rd out of the 55 Buckeye defenders that have logged snaps so far this season, according to PFF. Steel Chambers is eighth. He's a difference maker for him. You know, you know what I could see coming out of this game? Steel Chambers sits out the first half. Ohio State gets just, you know, has a really rough time with the Nebraska running game, you know, containing Martinez. Chambers comes in, makes a huge difference off the bench in the second half, and we might see him as a starter going forward. I mean, I could totally see that as a as a storyline coming out of this game. I hope that's not how it plays out because that means we we struggle and, you know, I'm sweating bullets here watching the game in a bad mood, but I could totally see that, uh, you know, coming out of this game. Now, our defensive line has been really good of late, and overall the Buckeyes' run defense is much improved. We're now up to number 16 nationally against the run. And uh, but but to be fair, we've not seen a running threat like Martinez since the Oregon game when, frankly, we had a little trouble with Anthony Brown. Remember, boys, you guys were there. I mean, you know, he didn't run, go over 100 yards on us, but he Ugh. he had some timely design runs. I think he ran t- 10 times for 65 yards and he had a few runs that were very frustrating right, to help keep the chains moving for Oregon. Well, I think Mar- Martinez is a bit of a different animal running the football. So I am nervous about that one aspect of the game. But overall, 4.5 on the concernometer for me. Isn't it usually like when uh, we've got that, uh, when we're just on the opposite spectrums of uh, Van Gummy, that uh, he's got a concernometer of like, you know, above a seven that that usually works out in our favor so i hope we're following along the same uh, i I should be i should have been tracking that That, that's definitely a stat that we should be tracking uh right yeah advanced analytics that's not on (laughs) i I think it's on pro football focus if you go look it's kind of buried in there somewhere it's under the premium stats Uh, that's an extra 15 bucks a month i can't afford that (laughs) i will say though i'm really surprised that like like nebraska is like you know you're averaging what? Like I think I know you probably said this earlier, Zach, but 470.1 yards per game. That's yeah, pretty uh, 
pretty impressive. I mean, we're like, that's, we're 547, you know? So it is. The difference impressive. with them is that it's all between the thirties, it seems. And they don't quite have the, you know, they don't have the big play capability that we do. And they're, they're, they've had trouble in the red zone. They're just, they, they just can't punch it in, in the red zone, but yet you got to respect them though. You got to respect an offense that can move the ball like that. You got to tackle well in this That's game. That's funny you say that, Z. What do you What do you guys think about our red zone offense, man? I, I'm not quite like like feeling too all warm or fuzzy about that shit. Yeah. Well, we were going back yeah. and forth over email about this earlier this week, and I'm not ready to call that a, a concern yet. Because, you know, it was just a one-game sample size. I know we had a little bit of trouble uh, finishing drives against Oregon, but there was only one in the red zone that, that we didn't finish, which was a fourth down uh, uh, that we couldn't convert. So I'm not quite ready to go there, but I'm, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it. I don't know. So you see it as a concern, Chad. Okay. You're concerned about well, that? Well, I mean, you know, it's just I, – I, I, I mean, like – I wouldn't spam actually. It's like it's just a little bit puzzling to me at times mm-hmm. um, with the play calling in the red zone. I just, I just sometimes I can't figure out, what, you know, why we made this call at this certain. Like, yeah, I feel like we need to like, you know, get Rucker into the the red zone mm-hmm. play a little bit more somehow. Yeah. Um, so I, do you guys? I, I don't want. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chad. But do you guys watch the? Monday no, 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 you're good, dude the monday night football with peyton and eli and i watched a little bit of it a couple weeks ago i heard it's funny shit it's really funny and so i i haven't watched much of it but on this week i was watching it and i i don't even remember who the team two teams were but it was it was fourth down and goal and they tried to just run the ball literally from the one yard line up the gut Mm -hmm. and peyton literally called it he's like just run the play action release the tight end it's wide open every time and sure enough, the team did it. And sure enough, it was wide open. And sure enough, it was a touchdown. Right. And it was like, to your point, Chad, was right? That what, where was that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, was that, I, was, that what, was Marshawn Lynch on there that night when they said, right. oh, hey, you know, would, would, would you, they, you throw the ball or run the ball there, uh, Marshawn? Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think. I think Day just thought, hey, we can just slam it down their throats. And yeah. clearly that wasn't happening. And and I in one of the pieces that Bill Landis wrote, he was talking about two-point conversions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a weird thing to be like writing an article about. And then he tied it in very nicely to our struggles down against Penn State. And I think Ryan Day's creativity just went completely out of the window. Like, there's no way that we can't just push these guys off the line and score a one-yard touchdown. And clearly we couldn't do it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, lesson learned for Ryan Day. Yeah. Yeah. I thought against a defense like that, you might be able to impose your will in that situation against Maryland uh, or even maybe against Rutgers, but against Penn State, you do have to get creative down there. And especially when you got good linebackers, because uh, Oregon had a really good linebacker who dominated the game. His name escapes me now, but he was a five-star uh, and he was mm-hmm. great in that game for them. And I think uh, you have to be a little bit more inventive down there. Play action at the tight end is one thing. You know, if, if CJ Stroud were a little more willing to run, that might help as well. But I just don't think that is not in his DNA. But but that's you know part of what we were able to use with Justin Fields, the, th- the threat of his legs in the red zone situations to, to be more efficient down there. But when you don't have a, the threat of a running quarterback, I think that limits you a little bit. Uh, maybe you look to get guys on your your speed, use your speed on the outside. 
and, and uh, you know, but uh, but yeah, they, they could have been more creative play calling wise for sure than just trying to line up and, you know, depend on your offensive linemen to win your one-on-one matchups, what they struggled to do uh, in that game. I read a uh, stat that, um, that Nebraska, um, they've been an underdog by 15 points uh, or more one time this year. They covered the spread. They've uh, actually had they've covered the spread four out of nine times uh, hmm. this year. So about 50%. So we'll see. Okay. All right. I don't know, man. I bet a lot of people are going to make this as a soccer bet. And like, again, a lot of people are going to put money on the Buckeyes and probably end up losing. Um, yeah. You never just never know. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, well, let's, why anyways, don't we get, why don't we get down to brass tacks here on the score predictions page? I want to start with you. What's your let's score get prediction? It. Let's get it. So even though my concernometer is an eight, uh, I'm just going to roll. <laughs> you're going to roll with the trend, right? We beat this team handily every year. Um, I, I, it worries me that, that, um, you know, we'll be dependent on some turnovers, um, because it sounds like they're a pretty solid team if they can, if they can, um, just hold on to the ball. Um, so I'm going to go Ohio state. I'm going to say the Buckeyes 46, Nebraska 20. <laughs> okay. That's really funny. What did you say, Paige? 46, 46 20. 46 20 Ohio State. Okay. Chad, how about you? Wow. Um, I'm going to say Buckeyes 47, the Corn Chuckers 17. <laughs> okay. So 46 20 for Paige, 47 17 for CP. We're it's so funny. We're yeah. all like right around the same range. And I it literally I wrote this down before we started the call. 4520 Ohio State. Uh, Nebraska wow. is they're in, boxing me in. So I mean, you know, look, uh, Nebraska's improved on defense, but you know, and that's great. You're above average, but I you know, above average is not good enough, I don't believe. So I, I expect Ohio State to be able to do whatever it wants offensively in this game. And in fact, now that I'm talking about a 45 seems a little light on the point total. Um, I look for another big game out of Stroud. Uh, Ohio State has done a really great job of protecting him, even against Penn State, not the best performance out of our offensive line. But, you know, Stroud was not sacked in that game. And I don't remember him being pressured all that much. So I like, uh, yeah, I I like uh, Ohio State to protect Stroud. I like another big game out of him. I think He'll find, uh, you know, I expect a big game out of the wide receivers. And and I think Trevion Henderson is going to give them another big performance. But, you know, let's, you got to kind of, I think Buckeye Francis is going to have to take deep breaths and and sit with, uh, you know, especially in the first half, some early success from Nebraska moving the ball because they, they you know, and they did this in last year's game, if you guys remember, on the ground, they were able to move the ball in between the 30s. And I think they'll probably be able to do that, especially with Steel Chambers sitting the first two quarters uh, but I think they'll make adjustments and, and they'll be a little bit better in the second half against the Nebraska offense and and uh, and cover this one. Are you like typing up a quote there, Plumber? What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> we can hear you yeah, typing I'm there, CP. Yeah, an art- I, I'm actually writing an article for the uh, the BDP to develop the BDP. <laughs> here you, here you. <laughs> I'm putting I'm putting in the uh, you got a deadline, huh? In the uh, bu- Upper Daily Beast. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, uh, you know, w- while there are some concerns, uh, you know, we do expect Ohio State to win uh, to, to win pretty comfortably. And then uh, onward and upward well, you to, see to what Purdue. what I did there, Zach, right? That was like advanced 
South Stands podcasting because I gave you a concern meter of eight, but a blowout score. So I really can't be wrong. You can't. <laughs> exactly. But the ultimate hedge. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I could just see Sloaner rolling his eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So real quick, there's one other game of interest I want to I want to get your take on uh, and before we have just a quick peek at the initial college football rankings that came out on Tuesday. I just want to look at like the top six or eight or eight teams. Uh, so we've got Michigan State. Coming off a huge win, one of the program's biggest wins, I would say, uh, over Michigan last week, a 37-33 comeback win. And they were statistically dominated in that game. They trailed by 16 late in the third quarter in that game and still managed to come back and beat Michigan. And now they travel to West Lafayette to square off with a, a pesky Purdue team that, you know, look, I, I, this is an above average Purdue team. They can do some things. They've got some players, David Bell, George Karloftis. We know they already handled a number two rate, a number two ranked team in Iowa earlier this year, even though I know none of us believe Iowa was that good. But, you know, we and as Ohio State fans, we know Purdue has spoiled many seasons for us previously. So I want to get your take on this game here. Paige, I want to start with you. Michigan State, only a three point favorite on the road at Purdue. Who do you like in that game? I did, I, I'm still rolling with Sparty, man. I said yeah. it a few. All right, ago. I think they're our toughest game. I think I think they'll be fine. I'm just looking at Purdue's schedule here. Who they played? Uh, you know, nothing jumps out at me. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I thought that was a great win by Sparty last weekend. So I'm gonna. I don't think. I th I think three is a gift, right? I think that's a reverse trap game. I think everybody. <laughs> going to roll in there. It's going to be tough. I don't think so. I think Michigan State wins and wins easily. I mentioned this on the South Stands Twitter page that I thought this was a sneaky good test of Michigan's readiness, pardon me, Michigan State's readiness to be a contender. Because these are the kind of games that you can't, you can't let rise up and bite you, right? Mm -hmm. Coming off a huge win. If you are a true contender, you know, you, you got to keep the train rolling, right? And you got to steamroll, you know, teams that are, you know, Purdue's unranked. I know they've got some players, but this is a game, if you look at the rankings, uh, that, you know, if they are true number three, sorry, I said number two, Michigan State's actually number three in the playoff rankings. They're true number three, then they should handle Purdue. Chad, how do you see this game? Who do you, who do you like in it? Purdue's got some ballers on the defensive side of the, the you know. Yeah. Ball. And I, uh, Michigan State looks good, um, but I, you know I do like Mel Tucker, man. I, I think he's a great coach, and he's like you look what they they were supposed to be bottom feeders, man. He went out into the transfer portal, brought in some you know good kids. He's got them all buying into the mm -hmm. you know the green. Um, although I do feel that uh, this will be a short-lived stint up there in East Lansing for your old Mel. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think. Um, I Wait, think why do you say that? Why do you say that? Do you think uh, he's going to leave and take another job, or you just think? Uh, Dude, I think he's taking LSU, man. Wow. Okay. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think he's going to leave for LSU. I mean, I'd like to see him stay there and just keep, you know, building upon what he's got started. But I mean, look at him. He's like, he went with Saban where, you know, all three you know, coaching places. And, oh, okay. you know, I just feel like he's, you know, he's an LSU. Uh, he just kind of fits that whole mold that this, like, you know, he's a defensive, like, mind uh -huh. coach and, He's got a lot more money down there with all the that's back, true. All the backers, alumni, a lot more talent, better facilities, yeah, a lot more talent, like a, a big talent pool to pick from, yeah. Um, but I think it's gonna be a close game. But I think uh, I think Sparty pulls it out. Um, okay, maybe by six or seven. Okay, great. Yeah, so I'm looking at, at Sparty, and look, I, I I'm very skeptical of Michigan State, and I said that. During the telecast, the you know the three of us are going back and forth over text during the game against Michigan State, 
And, you know, they were statistically dominated in that game. And, uh, you know, they, they did take advantage of a few. I, I give them credit for, you know, for, you know, they kept swinging and they kept fighting. My takeaway from that game was more about Harbaugh not being able to close the deal and, and finally get a signature moment and yet another big game failure against a rival for Harbaugh. That was my big takeaway, much more so than what Michigan State achieved in this. All due respect to Kenneth Walker III and, you know, to, to the rest of that team. But I'm looking at the results for Michigan State. Now, you know, the week before, they they barely uh, escaped uh, IU, right? A game at, at uh, Bloomington against the 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 Hoosiers, right? 2015 was the final in that one. Uh, they could have easily lost that game. They could have easily lost Michigan against Michigan, pr- probably should have in my estimation. Uh, they played Nebraska earlier in the year as a three-point game. They had to win that one in overtime. So they've had they've had a lot of close calls, Michigan State has. And maybe they're just one of these teams on a, on a magical run and they just figure out ways to win. But I, I, I'd be worried about this game if I'm a Michigan State fan. I'm actually taking Purdue in this one by three. Wouldn't even be surprised if it goes to overtime. Wow. That's great. Now, like, I don't, you know what? I mean, I, you know, we win pretty much and, and we control our own destiny, but for sure. No, I want, I, I would like, I'm always a big, like, you guys know how I feel about this stuff, man. I want them to be undefeated when we play them in a couple weeks, man. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that'll keep them right there at that number three. You know, we, we, you know, have a decisive win over them. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's a good call though. Uh, the thing so, yeah, about Michigan, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I mean, the thing about Michigan state that worries me in the, in a matchup with any team that can throw the ball and, and especially has a playmaker at receiver like David Bell, 127th in the country in pass defense. And they're in the one hundreds in total defense. I mean, not, this isn't even remotely close to any of the, the D'Antonio defenses that we remember there. So they're, they're vulnerable. Uh, on the back end, big time. And, uh, you know, they made Cade McNamara look like John Elway last week. So that would be a concern for me in this matchup. I don't know that Purdue is a great matchup for them because of the way they can throw the ball. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to tune in for that one. I think that's going to be a good football game. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, hey, look, we're coming up uh, on about 40 minutes. I'll, I'll get you guys out of here on this. College football rankings, the very first ones came out on Tuesday, the college football playoff rankings, sorry. And let's just have a quick look at the top six. I want want to get your opinions on what we saw on Tuesday in those rankings. Okay, no brainer at the top, Georgia number one. Alabama, that was a bit of a surprise for me. Surprise, but not surprised, right? At number two, Michigan State, number three, Oregon, number four. I got no problem with that. Oregon's got the head-to-head over Ohio State and they played a little better of late. The Buckeyes at number five. Cincy at number six. We got Michigan at number seven. Oklahoma at number eight, which I was a little surprised to see because I had them in my top four. What did you think, Paige? Did the committee get it right here with these first rankings? So outside of Oklahoma, right, which is that's the only thing that is pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. This is exactly these guys are politicians and they're setting up the TV show. Right. None, none, none of this. And, and the other thing is. Sorry, Cincinnati, you're not making it. That's yeah. what this is telling you, right? right? Because they've got it set up perfectly. Georgia plays Alabama. Michigan State plays Ohio State. They know the winner of the, those games, right? If things play out sort of relatively as they should, mm-hmm. it all settles itself, right? Right. Oregon in there, if they went out, they deserve to be in. I'm sorry. They do. I agree. You know, I agree. Probably the best win in the country. No question. Right? Oh, I think it is the best win. It's not even up for debate going on the right. road and beating Ohio State. Yeah. 
So, so this is all they, they they're just setting this up, right? So they they don't get you know annihilated down the road. <laughs> Cincinnati, that's the one thing. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to make it. That's the only thing that this tells us outside of the Oklahoma, which is surprising. So in that realm, I think they did get it right. Chad, how about you? What'd you think? I, you know, it's 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 funny to me. Like I mean, like that. Like, I'm not quite sure who the the committee chair is, but I Barda, listened to Gary him Barda. on. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I listened to his like bullshit. Uh, I think he was on like Danny Warfel and uh, right. Hartzog, whatever his name is. Um, and he was like, well, we really respect what Cincinnati has done. I mean, <laughs> you can't like, you know, you can't overlook the Notre Dame win, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, just shut the fuck up, man. Like that, nobody like they, they're just they've got the people in Cincinnati have got voodoo dolls of you and they're just stabbing it profusely. You know what I mean? Like just, just, just shut up. I feel bad for Cincinnati. Um, Oklahoma kind of blows my mind a little bit too, but they're not that great, man. I mean, they're, they're, their defense year after year is the fucking weakest. Like they, yeah. I don't understand what they They can't put a defense together in that, in, in Oklahoma. But, I agree. Uh, you know, Georgia, obviously, um, you know, their defense is, is great, and that's why I hope we get the opportunity to see our offense against the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too impressed with their offense. I mean, they've got some players, but, of course, you know, Saban's going to get in there somehow, one way or the other. They've but, earned it. You know, Alabama's I mean, earned it. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they've earned the benefit I, I of the doubt. You know, three three championships during the playoff era, and that's just the way that it's going to be. As long as he's coaching there, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. It just is what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, now, I I, uh, I made a uh, a prediction last week that the Florida would cover the spread against the Bulldogs, <laughs> but that didn't come that didn't come to fruition. But I am going to say this right now, and this is that's <laughs> going to happen. I right. truly believe this. I think Auburn is going to beat Alabama. I, they're hey, they're sitting right there. They're the committee's thirteen. Number thirteen, and you know, Bama does look vulnerable. There's no question about it. This is this is the mo- I've been right. saying this for a couple of weeks. They are the most vulnerable team Nick Saban has had in the last six or seven years, uh, and, and that makes sense, you know, given what they lost from last year. Yeah, I um, I think the committee mostly got it right. Uh, that's fine. You want to put Alabama at number two? Saban deserves a benefit of the doubt. That's gonna that'll be settled on the field, right? Georgia and Alabama will have an opportunity to, you know, kind of settle it on the field. If Bama gets that second loss, one would think that will eliminate them. Although, if a two-loss team is going to get in for the first time, right, it, it's, it'd probably be Alabama. Um, got no problem with Oregon ahead of Ohio State, as I said earlier. I, I just I can't listen to arguments for Cincinnati. I just can't. And, uh, you know, I, I was listening to Pat Forty at Stump for Cincinnati and, and Stuart Mandel's been outraged over over Cincinnati getting jobbed. And I just don't see it. I, He's I just a Bearcat hater, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, Stuart Mandel is from the Cincinnati area. He's stumping for Cincinnati to get in. There's this outrage from some of these no, guys. I'm saying you. I'm saying. Oh, oh me, me, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy. Yeah. 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 Look, hater. yeah I, I, I didn't go to University of Cincinnati. I don't care about Cincinnati. I don't care that we have a former Buckeye coach there. Big deal. We got we, we got uh, Marcus Freeman's a coach at Notre Dame. Are we Notre Dame fans? No. So I, I don't. And they're in the way like they're, they're in the way of my Buckeyes. So uh, the other thing about Cincinnati, what, what's so compelling about them? What, what's so interesting? Like when you tune in to watch Cincinnati, do they have a another worldly quarterback or an ugly otherworldly defense or skill guys? They're ordinary. They're totally ordinary. I mean, they're good, they're solid, but there's nothing about them that makes me want to sit down and watch them or makes me feel like they belong in the field. 
I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel about them. And like the outrage over them, I'm like, look, when the field expands to 12, they'll get their opportunity to shut me up and prove me wrong. But in my opinion, they got no business in the top four uh, for a number of different reasons. They don't play the schedule. They're not entertaining enough for me as a football fan. I want to be entertained. I want to see great athletes. I want to see explosive offense. I want to see dominant defense. They don't have any of that stuff. In my opinion, I fucking love it, dude. He <laughs> never gets fucking like he's always even killed, man. But you talk about fucking Cincinnati, dude. That's it. It's like, it's like he's game on, bro. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just, it. I just, uh, I don't get the outrage. But I understand, like you know, Ohioans root for Cincinnati because it's a, it's you know, it's an Ohio school, and there's the connection to Fickle as the former you know, former defensive lineman and linebackers coach and won a lot of games here as an assistant. And I'll, you know, and a lot of people I think are probably viewing Fickle as the next man in line when, when and if Ryan Day moves on, which could very well happen. But for now, bye-bye Cincinnati. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. Well, hey guys, that was a great effort for a Thursday page. I think I just heard you pop open a cold one. What are we, two, three? How far in are we? That's number three, buddy. (laughs) Number three. I love it. Nicely done. Well done, sir. Um, You're (laughs) all right boys well hey thanks so much for making the time and let's try and do this again next week after what we hope is going to be another ohio state win over nebraska you've been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.